97.3. More variety. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou here tonight with... Nashika Caesar. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. The minister has explained that they are still going through some reconciliation issues. And that will take them some time. So hopefully by the, the 13th of this month, they will be ready to start the payment. Coalition of opponents of government's debt exchange program commence a fresh campaign. This one is to ensure their matured old bonds are paid. We'll hear the full gamut of issues that it took to the finance ministry today. Also coming up. But when it comes to matters of death and burial, it's a family that decides. But whatever the decision, whatever date that you choose, you should know that the government will stand squarely behind you to make sure that we give him a fitting burial. President Akufado announced a state-assisted funeral for Ghanaian footballer Christian Achu, who lost his life to the earthquake in Turkey. And later on Eyewitness News. Our demand is that the, the system is compromised, INEC is compromised, so the entire process be stalled and cancelled. At least seven out of the 18 political parties in Nigeria's Saturday elections boycott the coalition, ex the coalition exercise, which is happening at the Electoral Commission's head office in Abuja. Would that have any impact on the process, though? Stay with 97.3 CTF of more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News. And in business... The Chamber of Petroleum Consumers Ghana projects that consumers of petroleum products should expect to buy petrol for under 14 Ghana cities at the pumps in the coming days. That's from the business desk of CTFM and City TV in some 15 minutes from now. But first, we'll bring you the big stories that we are looking at from the general desk of Eyewitness News CTFM. And uh, we are live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations in Upper West, we are on Tumpani Radio 88.5 FM in Naduli. We are on Jirapa 96.1 FM as well. In the Upper East region on Rikas 92.1 FM in Bongo, Namu, that's Upper East. In the Northern region on North Star Radio 92.1 FM in Tamale. In Northeast region, we are on Nobia FM 98.1 FM in Nalirugu. In the Western region on Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, Sky Power 93.5 FM also in Takradi. In the Ashanti region, we are on Focus 94.3 FM, KNUST Campus, Kumasi, Orange 107.9 FM, Kumasi. Volta region, we are on Sela Radio 97.1 FM in Dabala, Holy FM 98.5 FM in Aplau. In the Savannah region, we are on Kasha 99.5 FM in the regional capital, Damongo. Do let us know what you make of the stories we are bringing you. Send us a message on WhatsApp 0549-986-996, 0549-986-996. You can also send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. We are live on Facebook. We are live on citynewsroom.com. That's our website. We are live on YouTube. My name is Umaru Sandamado. This is Eyewitness News. 
And I'm here with Nashi Kasiza. We are broadcasting from number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabraka in Accra. Our first story is starting off from the premises of the Ministry of Finance. This is not a picketing. It's an action, a mass action. I'm not really sure how to call it. Martin Kwebu is one of the leaders of the group that went to the Finance Ministry today. He's convener of the Individual Bondholders Association. Uh, Council, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. You were not picketing today. You, you went to the ministry to surprise the minister? Hello? Yes, you went to the ministry today to ambush the minister, didn't you? Um, well, I will not call it ambush. The minister is giving us sleepless nights over... Today is what? 27th of February. Since 5th February, we've had sleepless nights. We've, we've been hungry, we've been tormented, we've been pained, we've been anguished. So, I don't know if today is, it will qualify for an ambush. Okay. Because he hasn't paid since 5th February. That's the essence of it. We do know that the, the, those who were picketing were picketing because they didn't want to be added to the to the domestic debt exchange program and so on and several other issues. Explain this particular one for us. What's happening? Yeah, so, Omaru, remember I granted you an interview where I indicated that, yes, government had promised to pay under the existing bond. But since February came, which was one of the maturity dates, and government didn't pay. 13 February also came, which was one of the maturity days, and government didn't pay. So the so last two weeks, about the Thursday or Friday or so, yeah, Thursday or so, we went for police permit to, uh, I mean, well, not police permit, to notify the police that I wanted to pick it the whole of last week for the non-payment, right? And then eventually leadership said we should engage government a bit. So it's now that government is, uh, kind of uh, responding to our engagements and giving some future dates that they'll be paying, some unclear dates. So that was the background. Alright, so why don't you take this up with the, with the institution that sold the bonds to you? Why do you have to go bother the Minister of Finance who is busy dealing with other issues? Uh, obviously, the institutions just uh, unsold the bonds to us. The institutions are not the ones to pay. Yes, they are not the ones to pay. They, they, it's government bonds, and they aux, the government auction to them, like wholesale, and then they have retail to us. So they, they only make their commissions on the bonds, etc. just like the way Data Bank has made a lot of money on the bonds. So that's how the primary dealers, yes, they made their money, and then the banks also make their money yeah, when you buy through the banks. The, this is, some of the banks are uh, primary dealers. I think it's uh, EcoBank or so. Yes, it's one of the primary dealers. And then two other companies. But the rest of the banks now are secondary uh, dealers. Yes. And so they make a commission. That's all that I want to say. So the money, they are not the ones to pay. It's government liability. I see. So wh were you able to engage the minister directly or any official from the ministry? Yes, eventually the minister met some of our leadership. Yes, the minister met us eventually. Okay. Yeah, it took a long while. After about one thirty, there about that's when he eventually met us. Even though we're there around uh, ten a.m. Yeah, okay. on a short matter. So you owe somebody. So when he shows up or he's doorstepping you for a legitimate reason, because the payment day came and passed, you didn't pay. So when a person is doorstepping you, you you can't call that an ambush, can you? I've looked, I'm looking at a statement that the Ministry has issued, the Ministry of Finance. I'm going to read it for the benefit of my listeners and then I'll ask your take on it. 
uh, is dated 27 February 2023. Following the successful settlement and conclusion of Ghana's domestic debt exchange program, the government announces the following developments. One, firstly, the newly issued bonds have been settled and listed and will become the new benchmark bonds for the fixed income market. The Ministry of Finance will work with relevant stakeholders as agreed to ensure that these new benchmark securities become the basis for deepening the domestic um, sovereign bond market. Secondly, in fulfillment of the assurance given by government to bondholders who did not tender, the ministry is taking administrative steps to ensure that payments of coupons and principals of the old bonds resume by 13th March 2023. Thirdly, on Friday 24th February 2023, S&P Global Ratings raised Ghana's local currency sovereign credit ratings from Selective Default SD to CCC Plus Stroke C. This acknowledges the completion of the DDEP with a successful delivery of new securities to bondholders. In doing so, the selective default is substantially cured. Point two, the above stated milestone is further expected to accelerate the engagement with our external creditors. The government of Ghana also takes this opportunity to assure our external creditors of their equal importance to the Republic of Ghana. We will therefore continue to work together to advance the progress of our external debt treatment in order to ensure Ghana's long-term macroeconomic stability. End. Issued Public Relations Unit, Ministry of Finance. I believe the point that will be of interest to you is point II. Secondly, in fulfillment of the assurance given by government to bondholders who did not tender, the ministry is taking administrative steps to ensure that payments of coupons and principles of the old bonds resume by 13th March 2023. That's that the one that is of interest to you. Does it satisfy you? No, it doesn't satisfy us. Uh, so as leadership, we'll look at it and come back. Uh, I think we can get better clarity on it. But that's my opinion for now. We haven't met as a group to determine. But obviously, Omario, this is a bit disturbing. Because to just say by 13, you resume. Resume means start. So when you start, how many people are you paying on day one? How many? And also by saying that by 13, it means theoretically you can even start even tomorrow, because today, obviously, they don't have it. And also, tomorrow is out. But it means, assuming something good happens, windfall, they can start any day before 13th. But by just saying, by, will resume. So it means you will start paying. So when you say you start paying, do you see that you can pay, let's say, 5,000 people the first time, and then you say the money is finished. So the remaining 95,000 people, you will pay the following month or the next and the following, or one year later. So you see the problems with the construction, the physiology. Yes, that's where the problem is. So this doesn't look good. We'll meet as leadership and see what we can make of it and to see if it's uh, possible to get better clarification. Okay, what happens to your planned picketing at the Independence Square or the Black Star Square? You, you do not carry out your, your threat. Uh, does it mean that you are prioritizing this particular issue? You want to deal with this fund first before you go back to the old issues of um, the selection from the bond, uh, from the debt exchange program? No, so it's the same thing. We're picketing because the main reason for the picketing was that government hasn't said it will honor the existing bonds. On the 6th of February, 4.2 billion matured. It, not all of it belongs to individual bondholders. There are other groups, the insurance company, the pension funds, and the rest. But we were also part. But government didn't pay. So, Maru, the main reason for the picketing was that government had shown bad faith. 
after promising that it will honor existing bonds, the payment dates had come and government wasn't paying. Some matured on the state, government didn't pay. 13th, government didn't pay. 20th, government didn't pay. So that's the reason for the ticketing. That government should walk the talk. What next for your group and the other coalition members that joined you today? Yeah, so we'll meet and see uh, what you make of this letter. As I've said, already problems are emerging, but we have to meet as a collective and take a decision on it. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us. That's Martin Pebu, his lawyer and uh, convener of the Individual Bondholders uh, Association of Ghana. Uh, the group was at the Ministry of Finance today uh, to complain about... Um, the non-payment of um, their their matured bonds. This is Eyewitness News. We'll be back with more. Please stay. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3 Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973 and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. Let's go to some developing story, uh, which is actually on our website, citynewsroom.com. Unknown persons ransack Ashimo's office at Teshi. Now, who is Ashimo? Uh, the Honorable um, Niamash Ashimo um, is a former member of parliament for Adentang. He is the Greater Accra Regional Chairman of the National Democratic Congress. And the report we are receiving is that some persons... Um, have gone to ransack his office in what looks like an attempted attack on him. He's joined us on the line now uh, for more on what ex exactly happened. You know, Ashimo, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you very much. What happened to you? Okay. Um, well, this is um, one of my offices that have a rotation in Gwai State. And then behind the office, I have a this small place Sometimes when I come to the office, I want to take a nap, or maybe I feel like I'm working deep into the night. I sleep over. Um, um, I was supposed to even be here um, the Friday, because we we're going to have a meeting here on Saturday. But I told my secretary that um, I'm, go I'm going to sleep another place, so I'll see her on Monday. Lo and behold, this morning, around 4 a.m., I was called that. People has <clears throat> made their way through. This is one of the offices that is security tight. We have about, I think, 12 CCT camera, 12 access control. They were able to make it through the ceiling, through my PA's office, through the secretary's office, direct straight, straight, I mean, if I say straight to their target, the small room that I've taken a nap over there. When they came here, they did not take a phone. Did not touch anything. After not seeing me, then they just ransacked the whole area. I don't know what documents they want, and they left the place as it is. So it is called by intervention of God. If I was as usual, I said today is Friday. I'm working the, the night. Let me take a sleep or a nap here. Uh, by now, I would have been a body, not a human being, speaking to you on the phone. You're very sad. Um, this is the third time this thing has happened. On the 21st of December 2022, I wrote a personal letter to the regional commander of Ghana Police Service. 
that is I'm seeing some strange and um, normal people following me left and right. And um, I haven't received any um, um, reply from the service. So in my small, we are just trying to put up my security. Since this thing started right away when we finished our antenna regional congress in Tamaspo Stadium, this is what I've been experiencing. And um, it's appalling. So I just, I'm just here. Uh, I know I'm a strong man, but today I'm really traumatized. I'm really, really, I don't know how to. Uh, you, you are the second registry I'm speaking with. It hasn't been very, very easy. It is about the intervention of the mighty God, which I'm on the phone with you now. Either than that, I could have been one of these casualties um, that has happened to uh, this, our brother, and um, take it to the that is in the mock. It could have been the same thing. But by the grace of God, I'm here. I see. You, you said this is a third time. So the first two incidents um, happened where? The first, the first one happened when I was um, we were driving, when we the car with myself, my driver, and my security, where we were ambushed. But um, my driver, being um, experienced, we were able to escape it. I quickly we went to the police station to go report. The second one happened at my one of my residences. Where did the first one? Um, where were you? Where were you when you were driving? Oh, we were from a meeting. We were from a late meeting. I think that day, that the regional chairman, sixteen regional chairman, met from the meeting, heading towards home, and we were ambushed. Uh, we had two vehicles, um, but the guy was able to escape it. When, uh, when you say the ambush, so did they did they did they chase there was, you? There was one car that there was one one car ahead of us and uh, one. Uh, behind us, and how was a motorbike. Mm -hmm. It was a motorbike on by my side, trying to force my door to open. As we were motion, but uh, the driver was able to navigate for us to escape the whole thing. So we went to the police station and reported. Has the police has the police done any investigation about this? Nah, the normal thing. The investigation is ongoing. Okay. So we are we are still. Um, and the second issue, the second one was when I was uh, also. Um, we left at dawn. I was traveling to, I think, Kumasi or Akwadi. The one we left, we left home. Well, when the driver was trying to remote the gate, the gate was not open. So, we, we were finding out what, we were what was the problem. Compression of the remote, but the remote was not open. Uh, lo and behold, the, the, the whole system has been jammed. So, before we say jack and we got out of the, he got out of the car to see what he should just to point him. But still, he was able to put the car in drive and force the vehicle to push the whole gate down. And then we were also able to escape it. And we left. I also went to the police station again to report it. This one too, I've gone to the police station. I just I didn't go to the police station because I wasn't here. I, my instinct was telling me, so this right. I didn't, I didn't take the number. So... Uh, my accountant and one of my uh, PAs has gone to a police station to go and report. Yes, they've been here. They've taken fingerprints. They've uh, replayed the CCTV cameras. We've seen some of the faces of... We've seen the face of the lead gang. So hopefully, let's see. The normal thing. Um, <coughs> Mm. If then the research complete, then we'll see our best. It could be, but the one that happened in your in your house, mm. you said it happened at dawn. So the people yeah. came to the house. Yes. And when you drove out, 
clearly there will still be some people left in your house, family members. Did these people attack these people? This is um, a house that I have just um, a caretaker. Uh, so they didn't go for the caretaker or anybody no, else? No, did no, they no, steal no, anything no, from no, the house? Yeah, I mean, they tried, they tried following the very, but I think um, when, when they're very uh, heavy and strong, so definitely we must uh, take more of the lead. Hmm. Who do you think is behind this? For now, the dog has shown me the teeth in the many. I don't know who really is on this, but um, so, so as I speak to you now, uh, from tomorrow, I'm not, although I'm not going to take the launch my own hands, but this time I'm going to be very, very full, very protective, and see how best I can save my life, apart from the Almighty God. I will run. For now, I don't know, but it could be internally, it could be externally, it could be people within my political party, it could be people within the other political party, because... I don't do business with people where I'll say that maybe I own somebody or somebody has given money or I've done a deal with somebody that. But after, as I'm telling you, since we uh, came back from our internal election from Rakas Post and um, Kumasi's Postidum, this is what I've been experiencing. And it's on and on and on and on and on. I mean, um, that is it. You get so it. All, all of this happening after your election as regional chairman? Maro, this thing started happening as soon as I became a regional chairman. Do you suspect that your competitors in uh, you the know, contest or anybody within the NDC may be behind this? I don't know. You know what? It's sequence. Let me tell you this thing. 2019, when I was going to contest a Lego, the same thing happened. We also attacked in front of the former member of parliament of Amasama's house. That one towards the police, and even those one that that one had a um, a lances armed with me, they took it from me. That was also a week before the elections. You see, you see, you see where you see how it's coming from. You see the old the signs and and uh, the, you see where I'm coming from. Okay, um, you are a public figure. So these three instances, you have reported all of them to the police station. Uh, which police stations for the three incidents? So we know the first one I did at Achimata Police Station. The second one I did at Adenta Police Station. The third one I, I've done it at Greater uh, State Police Station. What next for and you? Then, what, then what, 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 are going, next for me? what are you going to do next? Now that you said you've reported to the police, you haven't seen a lot of action, but you suspect that these people will come again because they've come thrice already. <laughs> let's assume that today I go and write on the Facebook um, and say something against the president or say some negative thing against the IGP or say something against any minister of state or something. Within 24 hours, they will come for me. So what, what do I have to do again? I've written personal letter. I wrote a letter signed by myself to the regional police commander 21st of December. That these are the things that these are normal signals that I've seen around me. What will I do? Do I take the law into my own hands? No. What do your party executives at the regional level think of this? I've spoken with my organizer today. He has asked me questions. Um, he has um, told me tomorrow he will come and see me for the service. We can uh, put things together and we um, how best we can to beef up my security. But uh, how do you beef up my security? Um, Definitely, you have to go and get some few macho boys around you. You are a regional chairman, you are a public figure, you are a party person. People might not to interact with you. <laughs> what do you do? So, what do you do? Um, 
It's a party members. You are not a family. They want those that I'm worrying about. It's my family members. But for party people can choose to uh, call you or not to call you. What do you do? You can't call people and say that uh, they attacked or I did. You did somebody nearly come and killed me. These are the same thing that happened to our former member of parliament for. I think Abuakwa, uh, I've forgotten his name. At uh, it's Legon. It's the same thing. Mm. It, I mean, from the ceiling, they went straight to where I picked my nap. What does where your party it, at the national level think of? The, have you reported this to your party officers? It, it just happened this morning, so I'm putting. No, I mean, this is the third one. So have you at least reported the first two to your party? Oh, the first and second I haven't. But now that that is second, the third time I have to put on. Very well. We'll just ask you uh, to be to be careful and do protect yourself. I, 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 I will. And thank I will, you for speaking like to us. Said, thank you so much. That's Honorable Ashimo. He's the Greater Accra Regional Chairman of the National Democratic Congress, former MP for Adentan. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. We are also live around Ghana on a number of affiliate stations across uh, the world on Facebook, on YouTube, and also on CTFM or citynewsroom.com. Let's talk about Christina Chunao, shall we? Nashka. President Akufaru has indicated that governments will offer a state-assisted burial for the former Black Stars player Christian Achu. The 31-year-old was trapped under the rubble in the aftermath of the two devastating earthquakes in Syria and Turkey where the Ghanaian player played his club football. The family of Christian Achu were at the Jubilee House today to officially inform the president of his death. The president for the Ghana Football Association, Kurt Okweku, spoke on behalf of the family. This indeed with a heavy heart that I've had to accompany the entire membership of the family of our brother Christian Trasam Achu to officially thank you for all the support that you've offered us since the incidents of February the 6th happened in Turkey and in Syria and also to officially inform you about the intention of the family to work closely with the Ministry of Youth and Sports, the Football Association, and the government led by your good self to give our brother a befitting burial. Christian Achu was a very, very dedicated footballer who had 66 caps for the Black Stars. The height of his career was in the year 2015 when he scored the best goal of the tournament at the AFCON. He was also selected as a member of the team of the tournament. And most importantly, he was voted the best player of the tournament in the year 2015. Chris Machu served the Black Stars with all his heart. He served all national teams as and when he was called upon. And until his demise, he was still a member of our team, so long as the team selectors picked him. Beyond the field of play, Your Excellency, he was a philanthropist. His deeds and works are all over the place. And I think the world has spoken to all the good deeds that Christian 
Atum did to mankind. Your Excellency, I'm here today with two members of the Football Association, the NASA for Odro Executive Committee member, and Alex Asanti Chung, the head of National Teams Department, but also from the close family, the sister, the twin sister of Christian, um, Achubi. I'm sure I had the name right. But most importantly, also your your Excellency, I have with me Nene Agude the third, the Adam Mankralo, Nene Lomo the fourth, the chief of Lomo, the divisional chief of Lomo, yeah. Nene Hewe the third, the Asafuached, Peace Trasam. Actually, I've already introduced George Trasam and Christian Tete Soti. These are all key members of the family who have been supportive and who are here with us. Your Excellency, the family is humbled to have been received by your good self, and we are ready to work closely with your good self to find a befitting resting place for our dear brother. Thank you very much. Kurt Okweku is the president of the Ghana Football Association. President Okufado says the country is devastated at the news of Christian Achu's death. The sister of Christian Achu and members of the delegation, I first of all to welcome you to Jubilee House, the seat of the presidency of our country. There are times when it is not pleasant to be in this chair. Today is one of them. The young man that we're all mourning is an exceptional athlete, a gift to our nation. All those of us who are football fanatics I count myself as one. Spend a lot of time admiring him and his exploits on the field. The news that came from Turkey as a result of this tragedy that occurred there was also a very tortuous experience for us. Because initially we were made to understand that he was all right. And then came the concluding, defining news that indeed he had been called by the Almighty. It's a tragedy for his family, it's a tragedy for his community, and it's a tragedy for our country. I want to express to you, representatives of his family and of the sporting, the football fraternity of Ghana, my deep condolence and sympathies for what has happened. And I speak not just for myself, 
but in, for the entire 31 million people of our country. Fortunately for us, we have in Turkey a very dedicated, dynamic woman who's our ambassador, who spared no effort to make sure that not only was he located, but that decent arrangements were made for his repatriation to us here in Ghana. I thank God for that. Just as I thank God also for the cooperation of the Turkish authorities who have proved that a friend in need is indeed a friend indeed. I've had the privilege of talking to the Turkish President Erdogan to express our collective thanks to Turkey and to his government for the assistance that they gave, not just in locating our compatriot, but also facilitating his return back home. There are people here whose sense of grief is bound to be even more acute than others. And I speak particularly about his twin sister, and the brothers. And I know this must be a very difficult moment for you. But I think our responsibility to give you as much support as we can. It can never erase the loss of this very brilliant man. But there it is. I always concern myself with the thought that at the end of the day, no matter the circumstances, the Almighty will call each one of us one by one. And perhaps that was his destiny that he would be called in this tragic way. It is important that uh, the Ghanaian people express their appreciation for his work that he did for our nation and the contribution he made to the development of the game which is our national pastime soccer and to the development of sports in general. So I've asked the Chief of Staff who unfortunately is outside a crowd today to make sure that we organize a state assisted funeral for Christian Atsu, depending on the date that you, the members of the family and the GFA, will select. And that everything will be done from the part of you, the point of view of government to make sure that he's given a dignified exit. I use my duty and my responsibility as president to make sure that that happens. I don't know what your plans are. 
don't think that the sooner we can get this unfortunate episode behind us, the better for all of us as a nation, as a community, as a family, as a sporting fraternity, and not to have it linger for too long. But as I say, the decision as to when the funeral will take place is that of the family. That is a tradition in Ghana that we all of us will know that when it comes to matters of death and burial, is a family that decides. But whatever the decision, whatever date that you choose, you should know that the government will stand squarely behind you to make sure that we give him a fitting burial. The only thing I would ask is that when you're deciding on the date, that through the Minister for Sports, you link up with my office to make sure that the date you choose is a date where I will be here in Ghana. That was President Kufuado Day. Now, Tulewewura Amunabefe Burini I has been named as the next Yagonwura. This announcement was made by the Kingmakers of Gonja on Monday, February 27, 2023. Amunabefe will succeed the late overlord of Gonja traditional area, Sulemana Tumba Burasi Japa I, who died on 5th February 2023. City News' Savannah Regional Correspondent Richard Fogo reported that at the Japa Palace, the kingmakers of Gunja went into conclave and pursuant to the traditions and customs of Gunja, announced the selection of the paramount chief of the Tuliwe traditional area, Tuliwe Hura Amunabefe Burini I, as the next overlord of Gunja. This announcement comes after the funeral rites of the late king of Gunja, Yagunrua Tuntumba Buresa Jakpa II, were performed. Even on a man who claims to be an agent for the Ghana Education Service has been arrested by the police at the Free Senior High School Placement Centre in Accra. Deputy Coordinator for the Free Senior High School Secretariat, Nana Afra Sika Mensa, tells City News, the young man has defrauded a parent to the tune of 1,000 Ghana cities to help get a school placement for their ward. Nana Afra Sika Mensa cautioned parents to only seek assistance from officers of the Secretariat. We arrested a guy here. He was taking thousands of days from parents that he wanted to help them with school placement and that's He's an agent and so I told them they should take him to the station and then we'll take the necessary action against him. And so um, yeah, yeah, ever since we started, I think last year someone was arrested. This year, today is the first time we've arrested somebody. So we keep on telling parents that they shouldn't engage people outside. They should rather come to the hall and talk to the staff from the secretariat, but they are still engaging people from outside. Meanwhile, they will take it and then they will still bring it to us for us to resolve it for them. So I don't know why they keep on engaging people from outside. So this will serve as a deterrent to people not to engage people outside, but they should rather come to the hall and engage the staff here. Nana Fresika Mensa is the deputy coordinator of the Free Senior High School Secretariat. 
Now, the Koforidia Circuit Court has, for the second time, remanded into police custody the 10 illegal miners arrested for engaging in Galamse in the Isiakwa portion of the Tiwa Forest Reserve in the eastern region. The suspects were arrested by the Forestry Guards for mining illegally in the Samandrasu portion of the Siwa Forest Reserve. The 10 were remanded again to allow a new judge to take over the case as the substantive judge has been promoted. The GB Forestry Division Manager Emmanuel Entry says the suspect will appear, reappear in court on Wednesday, March 8. The substantive judge has been promoted to the, uh, the High Court. So the suspecting one is to be posted to the, the court. So we are waiting the, the the successors to come and take over the case. So in this absence, we are taking the, the agenda. So we are to reappear on the 8th of March. Hopefully the judge in charge would have taken over and presided over the case. Now the judicial system has got um, a system, a procedure by which they will follow. Now they will have to go to what we call the case management. After the case management, they will now come to take their plea. After their plea has been taken, then if they if they plead not guilty, then they will have to open their defense and also present their witnesses. So all these procedures will have to be followed before um, the case can be finally decided. So we are waiting for the 8th of March to go back to court and then where to move from there. Emmanuel Ng is the Kibi Forestry Division Manager in the Eastern Region. In other news, a renewed Islamic scholar and the Imam of Darul Hadith Institute for Islamic Studies in the Shanti region, Sheikh Anas Tafik Ibrahim Bakri, has joined a growing list of calls for a multi-stakeholder collaboration to find lasting and urgent solutions to the conflict in Boku in the Upper East region. He says the conflict in Boku has since compromised the security of the country and continues to taint Ghana's global image as a citadel of peace in the sub-region. Addressing journalists in Kumasi, Sheikh Anas Tafik appealed to the Indian to lay down their weapons in the interest of peace and also called on the government to set up a special relief fund for victims displaced by the conflict. We at Hadith renew our call to the people of Boko to do more and lay down their weapons in the spirit of peace and unity that Islam teaches. We plead that they silence their guns and peacefully coexist as happened some 1,440 years ago in the era of Prophet Muhammad between us and Khazraj in Medina after centuries of war between the two clans. We call on all stakeholders including government, Nairi, Kusasi chief, civil society organizations, the media, faith-based organizations, northern political and business elites, youth groups, Mokusi and Kusasi graduates and students organizations, women groups, and the entire Ghanaian community to join us in waging an enduring peace in Boko. This deserves our complete and clear support. We call on the government to set up a special relief fund for the people of that area 
especially for women and children, as they continue to lose their businesses and breadwinners through these conflicts. This unnoted humanitarian crisis in the area is further deepening the problem. Sheikh Anas Tofik Ibrahim Bakri is a renowned Islamic scholar and the Imam of Darul Hadith Institute for Islamic Studies in the Shanti region. Now, the National Communications Authority, NCA, has cautioned persons who have completed Stage 1 of the ongoing SIM card re-registration exercise but have abandoned the Stage 2 process to immediately do so or risk having their SIM cards disconnected. Some subscribers who did not take part in the SIM re-registration exercise have had your SIM cards deactivated. Others who began the process but are yet to complete have given up to haven't given up to March 10 to do so. In a statement issued, the NCA is urging all persons within the aforementioned criteria to take advantage of the window given. It will be recalled that the Minister for Communication and Digitalization directed that Subscribers who have not completed their registration as of 30th November 2022 should be disconnected. After this directive had been adhered to, the NCA has noticed that there have been additional Stage 1 registrations which are yet to be completed. To this end, the general public should take note that subscribers that have done Stage 1 are yet to complete their same registration Stage 2 by Friday 10th March 2023, failing which these SIMs will be deactivated from their networks. Henceforth, subscribers who begin the registration process Stage 1 and do not complete their registration within a period of two weeks will have their SIMs deactivated from their networks. To reiterate, the importance of the SIM registration exercise is to develop and build a SIM database with integrity which will assist in curbing fraudulent activities. You had excerpt of a statement issued by the National Communications Authority, read by City News's and Shelley Zew. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. My name is Umaru Sandamad here with Nashi Kassiza. On point blank, we'll go to our neighbor, English-speaking neighbor to the east, Nigeria. They went to the polls on Saturday. The election results are trickling in and... It's too early to say anything yet. Over a dozen results from 36 states are already through. We'll tell you who has won big where and what the consequences. Plus, there's a walkout at the National Coalition Center by at least seven political parties. Meanwhile, the remaining ones have all pledged their support of the coalition process currently happening in Abuja in the presence of the INEC chair we'll be touching base with uh, the nigerian journalists that have been following this story for us and share with you more on point blank but first nashi kasiza will give us the latest headlines from the world of business get the details every significant financial transaction every market movement and all the policies that affect your business city business news be informed 
Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Let's settle for the details. Consumers of petroleum products should expect to buy fuel for under 14 Ghana cities at the pump soon, as the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers, Ghana, COPEC, is projecting some price declines. According to COPEC, this is based on a drop in international petrol prices and the relative stability of the Ghana cities. Petrol is tipped to sell at 13 Ghana cities per litre and diesel at 14 Ghana cities per litre in the coming weeks. Executive Secretary of COPEC, Duncan Amwa, has been speaking to City Business News on the issue. Well, we do anticipate for the first window in March that fuel prices are likely to decline uh, due largely to international benchmarks uh, that have seen a reduction in both uh, finished products and uh, that of crude. Uh, the city has also been relatively stable, though it depreciated uh, a bit over the window. Overall, uh, you are looking at between 2 to 4 5% uh, for both petrol and diesel, while for LPG, you are likely to pay a little more uh, due to benchmarks also being a bit higher uh, on current window than previous window. So for LPG, uh, you are likely to add about 4% uh, to what you are paying now uh, at the start of the first window in March. That was the Executive Secretary of COPEC, Duncan Amwa. Moving on, players in the textiles industry are warning that the passage and implementation of the Growth and Sustainability Levy Bill 2022 could stifle growth in the sector while threatening the job security of staff. The bill is part of government's efforts at domestic revenue mobilization introduced in the 2023 budget. Michael Obudu has the rest of the story. The Growth and Sustainability Levy was introduced by the government to raise revenue for the growth and fiscal sustainability of the economy. This, the government hopes, will help salvage the economy from the impact of both the coronavirus pandemic and the Russia-Ukraine war, which have both resulted in unprecedented global crisis, depreciation in currencies, and impacted living conditions and inflation levels. The levy is to be imposed on profit before tax of the companies and institutions and on production in in the case of mining upstream oil and gas companies at the end of every quarter. The estimated revenue target for the levy for 2023 is approximately 2 billion 216 million and this will be achieved by taxing these companies between 2.5% and 5% while others depending on their sectors will be taxed 1% of gross production. But what do players in the manufacturing sector make of this? Fatumata Doro is the Managing Director of Textiles Ghana Limited. Depending on the industry, we might incur between 1% to 5% on, um, on our profit before tax. Uh, that's a high cost on us. That's a high cost because we are barely coming out uh, surviving from last year that we are now getting a new tax. Knowing that we have also, so I mentioned the RFO, we have also lost some benefit or I would say some kind of subsidy on duty payments. Now we are fully paying, we are fully paying it, and then this new levy coming out. I mean, the industry are suffocating. Uh, there will be a limit at how much uh, we can no longer bear an extra taxes, and I think that new levy is really not what we can support. 
uh, I mean, we cannot support it because we are barely surviving now. She added that if the levy is not given a relook, staff in the sector will soon have to battle with job security. How can we ensure employment? Because we should, we should also weight the pro and cons. As much as they are trying to generate revenue, then they should look at employment. Because any company that cannot longer uh, take care of those costs would now think about employment. And we don't want to get there. Fatumata Duru is the managing director of the Textiles Ghana Limited, ending that report by Michael Ogbudu. Moving on, the Rice Millers Association of Ghana has welcomed government's decision to invest over $68 million into the rice production to boost local rice production. This will help increase local rice production while reducing the country's annual rice import bill, which stands at $560 million. The investment is also expected to increase domestic rice production from the current 1.14 to 2.4 million tons per annum and increase yields by 30 percent speaking to city business news on the matter the convener of the rice millers association yao idupoku said the rice production sector will greatly benefit if government is successful with its plan i don't think this was captured in the national budget so it may be now that uh, the government will be looking for the funds for that for the rice sector Assuming that the government is able to procure this uh, fantastic amount of food solely in the rice sector, then we will say that this will change the face of rice in Ghana. The will is there for the value chain to act. But the point is that such interventions have been done over and over the years, but we don't actually see it happening. This time, we are going to monitor and call out the government that the players in the field should be identified and be part of the stakeholder that will get this project going so that we will all see the success of it and the money will not be thrown into the bottomless pit that seeks to suck out every activity and program that we bring to this country. Yao Idupoku is convener of the Rice Millers Association of Ghana. Now, the National Petroleum Authority had earlier indicated the gold for oil policy mandated that oil marketing companies must have at least 45 outlets to purchase the product. However, the Association of Oil Marketing Companies has now clarified that this is not the only requirement for participation in the program. Some smaller companies which did not meet the 45 outlet threshold expressed concern about being excluded and potentially going out of business. In response, Kwekwe Jumandria, who is the industry coordinator of the association, assured the media during the press conference today that alternative criteria were in place to enable these companies to access the products under the program. We also had other issues in terms of uh, who qualifies. So we put it all together. That was the gamut of criteria that we had. So that one is only one of them. So then you have somebody who have got that many stations. But the rich is good. I'll give examples. You have people who have stations in the north. You have the same number of stations in the south. The guy in the south, the same number of stations. The throughput is more than the north. The same number of stations, north and south. So it depends. And of course, you may have more stations, but 
you go to some places, the reason where your stations are, you may not be having a, a, a very good throughput. Versus somebody who is in like Kintampo, uh, Kumasi, those places, they are populous areas. I expect them to have higher throughput. So it's more of uh, what somebody can carry out and other conditions which was better. So what you heard was only one of them. And, uh, and we, sit, we, we sat with them and we had the others concerning you not owing the government, no owing taxes, no owing MPA stuff and all that. So we, there's a government of them. So somebody satisfied all of them and it's only half stations. And you realize that he's doing pretty well. How would you allow him to go? Kwakwe Jumandria is the industry coordinator of the Association of Oil Marketing Companies. Finally, the Federation of Africa Medical Equipment Disposal and Devices is projecting that medical devices market will expand by $7.1 billion by close of 2023. The Federation attributes the projection to the growing population of African continent. Speaking at the India-Ghana Pharma Business Summit in Accra, the Chief Executive Officer of the Federation of Africa Medical Equipment Disposal and Devices, Anthony Ameka, urged stakeholders within the healthcare delivery sector to commit more funds to the industry. The market is growing with population growth and the changing nature of burden of diseases. There is therefore the need to decrease the gap between the demand for and access to quality healthcare for all. Currently, although the continent accounts for approximately 70% of the world population, it accounts for 25% of the world burden of diseases. This will be further affected by the fact that African population is growing and is expected to nearly double that to reach 2.5 billion population. Simultaneously, the number of people aged 16 and older is predicted to reach 67 million by 2025. And million by 2050. That's leading to an increasing number of people living with chronic diseases and disability. This will eventually increase the demand for a variety of healthcare services. As for 2021, healthcare expenditure in Ghana was valued at 14.5 billion Ghana's at the exchange rate that time was around 2.4 billion. Anthony Ameka is the Chief Executive Officer of the Federation of Africa Medical Equipment, Disposal and Services. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News, which was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News.
This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandamoto. Tonight we are focusing on Nigeria. That country went to the polls on Saturday. And as we speak, coalition is still happening. We don't have a declared winner yet. But the Independent National Electoral Body, the INEC as it's known as, has confirmed some of the results. There are 36 states in Nigeria, and the results have been coming through state by state. So far, INEC has confirmed in 10 states, the results from 10 states. Let me just share with you the results. In Ekiti, Tinubu of the APC has won. In Oyo, Tinubu has won. In Kwara, Tinubu has won. In Ogun, Tinubu has won. In Ondo, Tinubu has won. That's Bola, Tinubu. Then in Oshun, Atiku Abubakar has won. That's the PDP candidate. In Yobe, Atiku Abubakar has won. And in Gombe, Abubakar Atiku has won. So Abubakar has three states. Then Peter Obi has Enugu and Lagos. Peter Obi of uh, Labour. So Tinubu currently leading with five states. Atiku Abubakar following with three states. And Peter Obi with two states. This out of 10 states that have been declared. Mind you, there are 26 more to go. We're following the details there. Meanwhile, at the National Coalition Center where the results are being confirmed and corroborated, there was drama as about seven of the political parties stormed out. They said they're not going to be part of the coalition process happening. They raise a number of challenges with the process and say that the whole process is um, problematic and has to be scrapped. Let's hear from two of the spokespersons of the group of parties that stormed out. Dino Melaye of PDP, he's an agent at the National Coalition Center. And Omar Farouk Ibrahim, he's the National Secretary of the Labour Party, also at the Coalition Center. Listen to them. Before you will review, knowing fully well that once a declaration is done, there can't be any review but courts. So we are completely dissociating ourselves and that's why we stage a workout. All the political parties here stage a workout to express the unfortunate uh, politicization and commercialization of our electoral process. How many of the parties have taken a workout? We are about nine, ten of us here. Understand? And we are saying that INEC is compromised. APC have influenced INEC and we can see results are being changed. We have records of where elections did not take place and results have been prepared. Yeah. We, have, we have records of where BV and, uh, the, the, the beavers were not used and results have been pronounced. What is difficult in the INEC chairman showing the uploaded results so that we can compare and interrogate that made by the uh, state uh, returning officers but they cannot upload results they cannot show us uploaded results because they know that what they are going to upload will be at variance with what they are presenting to nigerians so the the electoral process have been rigged INEC have rigged the 2023 elections and we are completely dissociating ourselves from it and we know what to do next we have air our observation to the national chairman of INEC. He has 
refused to listen to us. We made observation. He wants to us to receive and accept the doctor results that came from the collection center at various sets. We do not agree with that and we have empirical evidence that we have our agent have observed us and they have informed us reliably that the Vivas machine have not been used. Where they are used, they are being compromised. And the results of the Vivas machine have not been uploaded to INET portal. And we have observed on Saturday around the hour of 2 p.m., the INET portal has gone down. The server has gone down. INEC have reportedly claimed and they have also acknowledged and pleaded with Nigerians that they are having a glitch in their server. And now that server will still monitor it at that the INEC chairman wants to us to accept what they are presenting here and so on. We do not accept so you are accusing INEC of your We are accusing INEC. We are accusing INEC for not listening to the cry of millions of Nigeria that what they have the confidence that all the Nigerians that have come to vote for their respective candidate, their beloved candidate, they have believed in what INEC has said. As it has been said, they are going to use vivas and we believe in vivas and the vivas have not been used. It has been compromised. So what is this outcome favors to your party? How would you go from there? It's not the issue of Congo of the issue is that has the system been consistent, reliable and truthfully being used? All of us, all of us that have staged a workout, all the political parties that stage a workout, our resolution is that the entire process be cancelled. That is our demand. Our demand is that the, the system is compromised, INEC is compromised, so the entire process be stored and cancelled. So you had two agents at the National Coalition Center speaking on behalf of their colleagues, seven other, uh, six or well, five others, in total seven of them boycotting the coalition that is currently happening in Abuja at the INEC headquarters. Now there's another group of parties, mind you, 18 parties contested this particular election. So the remaining 11 picked up the microphones and told the chairman that they trust him and are confident in the exercise and that on Tuasu. Listen just uh, waiting for the next announcement yeah, my name is uh, Sude Mohammed representing the PRP I have been receiving chats actually representing the PRP next announcement yeah, my name is uh, Sule Mohammed representing the PRP I have been receiving chats actually that uh, PDP, LP, and several political parties have pulled out of the presidential coalition, accusing INEC of compromise. I want it to be registered that our party is not part of that process. Thank you, sir. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mr. Chairman, my name is Muhammad Ibrahim Biu. 
I'm representing the Social Democratic Party, SDP. We are not part of that. We are here to do the coalition. So we are not, part, we are not pulling out. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, my name is uh, Bamei Vigieno. Uh, I represent YPP, Young Progressive Party. We have also seen the news and we wish to inform you that we are not part of that. We are here for the coalition. Thank you. My name is Zafanaya Jisalo. I'm a member of NRM. Agent, we are not part of that. We are with them. Thank you. We are not part of workout. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, my name is Ina Okopiago. I represent the African Action Congress. We are not part of the party that worked out. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, my name is Babatunde Adida Polufemi. I'm here to represent Accord. Accord dissociated uh, except from uh, this arrangement, working out of uh, this pollution center. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I remember Barrister Chief Kenneth Udeze, uh, in law with Sip San Loquito. The first before he said, you are seeing me live and direct, so I didn't say any workout. continues up to 11 of them are now saying that they are interested and they support the work of the INEC. let's go to nigeria now and speak to some of the journalists who've been covering this story and been sharing details with us so far mansoor ibrahim is a journalist in lagos he has traveled all the way to kano on election day he's back to lagos and has been monitoring events closely in abuja Mansoor, you're welcome to ctfm in accra the drama is unfolding as if Waiting for the results to trickle in is not um, anxious or uh, causing anxiety. Now, you are now facing a possible uh, disagreement with the result because some of the parties say they do not support what's happening and that the coalition and the entire process should be aborted. Um, what was the mood in Nigeria tonight? Okay, uh, so far, uh, there are two parties out of the political parties, there are two parties, uh, the Labour Party and the PDP, are saying they are not satisfied with the process of, of the coalition, and uh, they are asking uh, INEC to suspend the process. Uh, but generally, in terms of security and in terms of the calmness, everywhere is calm, but we are just monitoring, like currently now, I'm right in front of my TV, and uh, the the, the, uh, the PDP are currently having a press uh, addressing Nigerians concerning the election. And, and uh, okay, go ahead. Yeah, so we're trying to see what. Yeah, and now I agree. The Labour Party issued did uh, a press briefing and said the same thing. So apparently, that's what the, the People's Democratic Party, uh, you know, are going uh, turning towards that part to say. They are not happy with the process and uh, it should be suspended. Looking at this as just main numbers, you would say two out of 18, that is insignificant. Until you realize that these two are among the top three. 
And so what these two parties are saying is very significant, even though they may be too small a number out of 18, but they, they, whatever they say, hold away, because they are having votes in millions coming through tonight, aren't they? Yes, I think where the problem is coming from is from uh, what I told Nigerians uh, some weeks and before the election, that uh, the process of, the, of transmission of results from the polling unit to the coalition center and down to the national coalition center, which is in Abuja, they are saying that they are not seeing that process. The transmission from the beavers, which is the machine that is used in accredit- uh, accrediting uh, voters, they are seeing they are not seeing it being transmitted from coalition center to the national uh, coalition center, and also they are seeing the results on the website is different from what their individual party agents have from the field. Because at every polling unit, every party is supposed to have party representatives who scrutinize the results that is being collected from the polling unit down to the position center. So they are accusing INEC that some of the results not all the results have been manipulated and what they have with them from their party agent is different from what INEC is officially telling uh, Nigerians so that they are concerned and they think the process should be suspended and uh, calling for another uh, presidential election sort of so we are we are, we are, we are watching the situation we are monitoring the situation and uh we're hoping INEX is meant to resume by 8 p.m., which is in 10 minutes. So we are hoping they will have uh, one or two things to say concerning that if the position, uh, announcement of result is going to continue or it's going to be suspended. So we are waiting in the next 10 minutes to see what INEX has to say on this. So this boycott would have no uh, consequence on, on the overall declaration would it because they haven't gone to the court to stop the process they only called the media and said the process should be stopped that means the process may not necessarily stop correct yes okay uh, in the electoral law once the process of uh of the announcement of the result has commenced it can't stop whatever you have you have to go to the court which is after the process has been completed but uh the ruling party about 30 minutes ago, issued a press statement saying they have it on good authority that uh, the Labour Party and the PDP are trying to, you know, uh, go to court for court to tell to tell INEC to suspend the announcement of results. So it's uh, it's a little bit tricky on who is going to follow the law here. The law says when the process has started, you can't stop until it's finished. Whatever arguments you have must be tuned to the court of law. But now, the ruling party is saying the two parties that are having issues with the coalition process are about to hit the court to say the court should suspend the process. So we're all uh, at a crossroad at this moment in time. I see. Um, but the results that are coming through, so far we have what we see from here, 10 states coming out of 36. Uh, that, that is the same picture you have yeah. there, right? Which means it will take you a few more hours, if not days, before you can get a full picture of who has really won what. So, yes, of course. So what, what, what usually happens is when IMEC uh, goes on break, they, they have this timeline where like five or ten states will arrive in the National Coalition Center. 
by which they'll start calling all the results. So we're expecting that if they reconvene by 8 p.m., we may have uh, five to ten uh, seats that will be called. So in, in two hours ago, when they took a break, they, were, they actually called five seats within that uh, period of time when they came back from the afternoon break. So we're expecting now that if they reconvene by 8 p.m., we should have five to ten seats, and we'll be left with uh, 16. And so far, if you look at the the the, the states that have been called, it's, it's uh, PDP, they have their own, the Labour Party, the APC. So it's still all a tight race at this moment in time. So we really don't know why the Labour Party and the PDP are saying they are not happy with the results that have been called. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Uh, so so far, there's nothing like jubilation happening, even though um, Pitaubis has won Lagos. Nothing like that is happening, is it? Yeah, uh, it's, it, it, it's very, it's very. I won't say it's risky to celebrate, but uh, we've not it, had, it's too, uh, it's too early to celebrate. Yes, yes. Those that are celebrating are doing it on a low key because this is a big blow to the to the ruling party in Lagos. And uh, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, uh, put your celebration in the face of the person you just defeated. Well. And uh, in the meantime, the uh, presidential candidate of the of the APC, which is the Bolatin, who has issued a statement and said, "We need some, we need some." So he's telling his followers to be calm. That them losing Lagos does not mean uh, they are going to lose their other state. Well. There's one other state. So his statement is saying, he's telling the supporters to be calm, that their own time of celebration will come soonest. Thank you so much, um, Mansour. That's Mansour Ibrahim. He's a journalist based in Lagos, speaking to us there about the Nigerian election. Let's go to the western part of the country and speak to Olufemi Olani Pekun. He's head of station at Rave FM in Oshogbo, Oshun State in Nigeria. Um, Olufemi, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Look, talking about uh, surprises that are coming up, Oshun State... Yoruba area, which should have gone to Tinubu, has fallen for the northern Atiku. Have they been able to explain what happened? Well, uh, thank you for having me, Maru. Um, Oshun is a peculiar state. Um, Oshun's state governorship election is one of the six or seven standalone elections that we have. That, that means the states did their own governorship elections outside of the general election period. Uh, so Oshun is the last of those off-cycle elections before the general election every four years. So the Oshun people elected a governor July last, last year, a new governor, and he's of the PDP. And um, Atiko Bubaka is also of the PDP. The APC, the party at the center, um, has been in power in Oshun for the past 12 years. So the people voted out APC and brought in the PDP um, government. Uh, so it, it's they're part of that um, way. Uh, six months after, that's responsible for what happened uh, on Saturday here in Russia, where the people. But if you check the election results, it's quite close. The difference is just by 10,400 votes. Uh, that's the difference between the APC and the PDP. And um, Oshun has done this before. Oshun, Oshun uh, sometimes goes against what the mood of the nation is. In 2011, uh, when the calendar, electoral calendar in Oshun was disrupted, and then it got pulled out of the 
general election cycle, when there was a judicial pronouncement, then the election that followed uh, the governor that was sworn in then through that judicial intervention, Raouf Ahmed Meshola, Ribadu was the former USC chairman, was the presidential candidate of the Action Congress of Nigeria then. That was when Good Luck Jonathan confessed uh, for president, and then there was this Good Luck Jonathan in Way, all over the region, especially down south and the north central. Oshun was the only state down south that gave me Ribadu, you know, um, their votes in the south here. Yeah. So Oshun, is, Oshun sometimes goes against the regular pattern of voting in, in the region. Um, so it's, it's, it's nothing unusual. So it's because the new governor, who, who was sworn in just some three months ago, um, is of the PDP. Uh, that's why it's easy for Atiko Bubaka, a northerner, to also win the Oshun election here against Dolanet mm. Nobongi Yorubaman. And so it happened in 2011, it's happening again here now. I see. Interesting. But the pictures you are watching from Lagos, how are people in Oshun and other areas that you've been following receiving the news about a boycott of the coalition that's happening and also the fact that the results are coming but taking forever to come? Well, so every election cycle, every general election cycle, most times the uh, official results do not come in until Tuesday. They do not get the full picture on Tuesday or Wednesday. That's when we have the official pronouncement of the president. But uh, when we look at things, it's likely going to extend this time. Well, the news about the boycott is not that widespread here, except those who are agreed to their television networks, um, you know, from, from Lagos. And it's of concern. I should say that this is perhaps, in fact, um, the most keenly contested presidential race since 1999, at the beginning of the first Republican democracy returned. Um, before now, what we've had are duopolies. I mean, you know, the APC and the PDP, the PDP and the APP, the PDP and the AD. That and this is the first time since 1999 I will have a presidential election, and 48 hours after, Nigerians cannot say categorically. Which party has won? You know, uh, this is the first time we're having a credible thought force that is challenging the hegemony of the two establishment parties, the APC and the PDC. This is the first time, for instance, that um, Bonat Inubu, the APC, and their legacy parties, you know, the AG and the ACN, will be losing major states. Bonat Inubu has not known major since 1999. He was governor two times, but then he has always installed. Yeah, practically installed his successors, you know, the government of Lagos. So this is the first time his party is leaving Lagos. This is the first time we're having someone like Peter will be coming from, you know, I dare say nowhere and ruffling feathers of the establishment. Mm. So, um, so, so he has so, lost, his party has lost Lagos, but does it mean they've also lost the governorship in Lagos? APC, I mean. No, so the, the, the governorship election is in two weeks' time. That'll be... Uh, March 11. Um, the fact that APC lost Lagos now, um, from from what I'm seeing of party chieftains in Lagos, they are really strategizing uh, to ensure that they do not lose, lose the governorship. And I should say that the dynamics of the governorship election might be slightly different. You know, um, it, it, it's likely going to be more violent 
because um, the APC would not want to yield or lose that state easily. After losing the, I've seen some party chieftains from Lagos, uh, you know, asking their chieftains to go all out again if if, if they have to beg negotiations, if they need to cajole, if they need to do anything. Um, some using subtle threats, and there's been some, you know, isolated reports of clashes also, you know, descending into ethnic violence. You know, Peter Obi is from the East. Adela Tinubu is from Lagos State, is a Yoruba man, is from the West. There are lots of Southeasterners who live in Lagos. And um, some people are beginning to read ethnic colorations to this also. But the governorship election is a different ballgame entirely. We may not be able to take categorically now that uh, the Labour Party will win Lagos again, or that the APC's candidate, which is the current governor, very well. Femi, thank you for speaking to us. We'll be back to you again in the in, in due course for more. Thank you. Thank uh, you, Mario. That's Olu Femi Olani He's head of station at River Femi Noshobo, Ocean State in Nigeria. Well, that would be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadu. Production by Beverly London and Kobna Wilson. Technical support from Okla Danso and new media support from Edwin Kwakofi. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening to Eyewitness News. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.